Well, good morning, Journey Church. It's so great to see you guys. How did you enjoy worship this morning? Was it not incredible? Come on, man. So great to see you guys this morning. I'm so thankful for our worship team, our production team, all the guys around the building that make everything that we do so possible. So just, again, your applause just to thank you to them. And thank you to you for being here this morning. We're continuing our series on Family Matters. Today we're specifically going to deal with a subject with a panel of, of, of parents on this stage of actually parenting and what does that look like and how does that line up with the Word of God. I just believe that God's plan, it, when it's unfolded and, it, and it's leaned into, man, it's beautiful. But as parents, we, we've probably messed it up a time or two. I know in my own life that, man, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of faults. I'm actually even shocked that I'm able to stand up here this morning and share with you guys Mike and Daniel and myself, we really prayed and thought, who'd be the best person to stand up here and, and, and share with this group of parents on, on how to do it perfectly? And, and, I, and I, I just rose to the occasion. I was like, man, it's me. <clears throat> I mean, honestly, this is what you get. No, honestly, it's, it's, this is what this is an acknowledgement of. This is, it, it, I, I don't do it right. I mess up. I mess up a lot. Anybody in the room with me? Have you ever messed up parenting before? Yeah, here's what's great. I'm learning that kids are actually resilient that they will, they will actually bounce back. They will forget. They'll do all kind of weird things. If, if they fall off a trampoline, they typically find a way to get back on it. <laughs> so, you know, and that's my parenting skills. I watched my oldest son shove our, our middle child off a trampoline flat on his head on the concrete, big knot on his head. He stutters to the, still to this day, but that's okay. He's really good at sports, and so we just lean into that. But so <clears throat> parenting is difficult. It's hard. And here's the thing I'm realizing, too. But if we acknowledge that it's difficult, if we acknowledge that, hey, we're all in the same boat, And so whether you are a young person sitting here today and you're like, I don't even know what I'm eating for lunch. I can't think about having kids. They're weird. Maybe you're in your 20s and you think you've met that person that you want to spend the rest of your life with. But you're like, "Eh, I don't really think about kids. Or you have children now. Or actually maybe you're in the grandparenting phase and you sit back like my parents do and my in-laws do. And you just giggle and laugh over the torment that your children bring you. And they go, yeah, you were just like that. And you're like, no, 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 shut your face. And so <clears throat> here, here's where we are. We're all together. The body of Christ, I promise you, when you sit around and you go, I'm the only one dealing with this, Satan goes, yep, that's right, touchdown. You're the only one. Ha, 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 I fooled you. But when we lean in and we truly go, no, no, we actually all have struggles, right? We all have struggles when it comes to this. And if you don't, keep your seatbelts on. <laughs> it's coming. It's a bumpy ride, but it is a beautiful, it's a fun ride. And so we want to have some fun this morning. We want to have some conversation about questions that you had. We put a post out asking what questions would you have for this panel. So these are questions that you submitted to the leadership and to this panel. And we've talked a little bit about some things. I'm going to shoot from the hip, maybe on some other things to see if we can side, side rattle. I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that because <clears throat> we're all in this together. So if you guys would, we're going to welcome some amazing parents to our stage. We're going to welcome the German family and the Benson family. Let's give it up for these guys this morning. Good morning, good morning. Come on, guys, come join me on the, on the stools. Let's see if they actually had a good morning, if they're going to sit beside each other. All right, we're, ooh, she pulled him closer. I'm not sure how that's going to work. Okay. <clears throat> All right, guys, thank you so much for, for showing up this morning and for, for sharing with uh, our church. This is your church family, and we wanted to take an opportunity just to, to hear from you guys on, on parenting and, and why you're the best that we could find to do this, because you're perfect, you've never done anything wrong, you're the best, you're the gold standard. 
We're not the gold standard. Listen, what's been great in having conversations with these guys is realizing that I've made um, some similar mistakes as they have, and they've made some mistakes that I have. And guess what? We're stronger now for having conversation. And so I'm so thankful for these guys. So tell us. So we're going to do this. Introduce yourself. I just called you out by your last name. Introduce yourselves, first and last name. And uh, <clears throat> Chris, uh, you guys tell me, uh, what is your favorite date night? Go. Okay. Uh, I'm Chris, and this is uh, my bride, Kelly. Uh, we met... Uh, a long time ago, 25-ish years ago, I went to Auburn. She went to UAB. We actually met up at Camp Aska, uh, which is a special ed camp. Uh, we were both counselors there. Um, I was not a camper. Some people think I was, but I wasn't. Um, and uh, we met there, and um, we now have three beautiful children. One is at Auburn. It's Hannah. She's uh, 21. Uh, she's on her third year of a five-year program. Um, apparently, Auburn has one of those. Um, and then uh, my son, Jacob, he's 18. He's at boot camp right now. He's going to graduate this week, so we're going to go see him. So that's, right. that's pretty awesome. That's awesome. Um, and then Nicholas is our third child, um, and he is 14. Um, and uh, I'll let Kelly talk to the date night. Hopefully, she'll come up with a better answer than she did first service. Um we do like to watch movies. We do like to go out to eat. Um, but I was thinking later, Chris got home the other day. He was pulling in the driveway as I was pulling out to pick up a kid. And he jumps in the car and he goes, date to the high school? So we had a 15-minute date driving to the high school, right? So, yeah, you pick up those moments when you can because sometimes there's not a lot of them when you're by yourself. So, yeah, we just like to hang out together and, yeah. <laughs> Anytime your wife goes, meh. It's always, that's, all, that's an amazing thing, right, guys? Okay, uh, moving on, Vincent family, tell us about you guys, who you are, and uh, tell us, and Cynthia, later on, I want you to tell me why you married Bill. <laughs> tell us how you met, I'm just kidding. So, so, uh, so my name is Bill, and this is Cynthia, and we have been married for one year, 20, 222 days, 17 hours, 39 minutes, and 2 seconds. Woo-woo! Give it up. Uh, yeah, that is the so, gold standard, gentlemen. Keep it on your phone. Let that count clock keep going. <laughs> and I don't pull it out when we're fighting, just so y'all know, okay? It's always just the positive moments when I go, look, Dave, we've been married this long. And so, so we are newlywed, so we know that, even though we are both in, um, uh, we've both been married before. Uh, so we have eight children uh, between us. We actually, I have two sets of twin boys. Um, no gasping. All right, I have two sets of twin boys. They are currently 21 and 25. Um, and then... Um, she has a two children, 19-year-old um, um, princess. You know, it's my first girl, and so I have to say that she can't do anything wrong because she is the princess. And um, I tell her all the time, if she, you know, if she messes up, we'll bury the body in the back of the yard <coughs> with the other eight bodies. And so, uh, so and then we have Garrick, who's 21, and then we're actually in the process of doing uh, two adult adoptions. We are uh, going to adopt um, a young lady who's 19 right now. When she turns, uh, right before she turns 21, we're going to adopt her. And then we currently have a 21-year-old living with us that we're in the process of doing an adult adoption on her. So, so we have a big family, and um, and that will segue into how oh, we met at church. And I'll let her say anything else. Well, with us having so many kids, it's really hard for us to find some time to be with each other. Like just the other day, we went to Panera Bread and just sit there across the table from each other and actually had a conversation, and we did not talk about the children. Um, just, you know, just to rekindle, just to figure out why I married Bill Benson. Right, and, right. you know, just to get to know the money. Yes, we ask ourselves that question often. Why did you? And so, but it's important for us to start off the conversation this way of leaning into marriage and understanding that, you know, when you're doing parenting, again, it may not be the way it is for you, but it is, I believe, and based on Scripture, okay, 
I believe it's just God's plan. That he designed us this way to be in community with each other. So however we get to that point, and I realize in a room this size and different, I mean, there, there's things that are there. But again, God gets us there. And again, when we follow his plan, and, and um, <clears throat> excuse me, in Mark 10, the Bible reads this way. But God made them male and female from the beginning of creation. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. God's design for us is to be together. When we look back into the book of Genesis, he created Adam, gave him all these animals. He had to name them all, and he was like, there's no suitable partner. So God created a woman, and he was like, yes. And it showed that God's desire for man and woman was to be together. And so then the children happen. It's like we... We leave and cleave, and we were fruitful and we multiply, and this is how this happens. So his design is for us to be together. So now that, now that we have kids, we're going to lean into this question, first of all, because as parents, you know, we mess up. We have arguments in front of each other, in front, or arguments with each other, and sometimes our children are, are, are spectators to that. So when that happens, I know that's happened in my marriage a few times, um, but when that happens... How do you respond to each other to keep that in line so that it doesn't become an area of distraction or teach your children how to respond to you? So, Grumman family, how do you guys handle that? Well, it's a great question, you know, and Kelly and I are very different. Uh, Maybe that's why we were attracted to each other. But um, I'm the fun. I'm the don't like rules. I just want to live, you know, every day for what it's worth and just go crazy and have a good time. And she is totally opposite of that. She's very structured. She's very organized. She's she's very, you know, like, you know, the kids have to follow the rules and, and things like that. Um, so we had to work that out a lot, you guys. And, and, you know, the way that I think about it is when Kelly and I first got married, we, we loved each other because we were different. And oh, I was so cute. And and then we figured out we were different. And then it started becoming like this, like it was a conflict. Right. It took us a while to finally, through a lot of communication, through a lot of just talking to each other, it took us a while to figure out that these are my strengths. Hold the microphone. And these are Kelly's strengths, right? And if we put those together, that's now where the bond takes place. And that's where now we're the best parent that we can be, the best team that we can be for our kids. It took us a long time. So that's something I'll encourage you on. Um, and the other thing is, is, man, you've got to have a unified front. I mean, that is incre- incredibly important. So if Kelly's in the middle of talking to the kids about something and I disagree with it, I try not to be the one in the corner going... <clears throat> Or, you know, or huffing or anything like that. Like, we just kind of have a signal that we look at each other. And, and I give her one of these. Like, can we go to some other part of the house and let's talk about this? Um, or, you know, I may not say anything in a moment or do anything in a moment. But then later on, we, we, we communicate, okay? And I don't want to have an argument in front of my kids because that is a chink in the armor. And the kids will find that crack and they're going to they're gonna put the wedge in it, okay? So that's, that's hugely important. Yeah, so kids that. will. They, they'll, they'll figure out what your weakness is and exploit it. Like crazy. They're actually smarter than we give them credit for. I learn that every day. Vincent, what about you guys? And, and for you, for a blended families, you've already shared with us. How does that look for you guys if there's an argument or a split in, in, in communication? So one of the key things that I've had to learn, um, so, you know, I've had my boys, you know, their entire life, obviously. And so there's a certain way that I've handled them, not only handled them, but a way that, you know, that I have instilled things in them. So they're used to that for me. Um, and so what I've learned is for a blended family, I've had to come at, you know, her children a little bit differently. I can't, you know, respond to them the same way because they don't have the same history. They don't have the same information. They've not been raised the same way, you know. Um, and, and just understanding that there's a level um, of grace that I think that, that, that I want when I'm dealing with a situation, whether it's what 
what we're doing, if, if it's an argument with us or an argument with our kids or a disagreement. And in, in the level of grace we want to give them, I, I said this in the first service, I think. Um, you know, a lot of times we judge people by, um, by their actions, but we want people to judge us by our intentions. And so I think that somewhere we have to understand that, hey, I, I want to understand your intention. It doesn't always mean that you're justified or I'm going to let it go, but I do want to understand that. Um, and so then that way I'm not just coming at you because of how you behave, because sometimes our behavior is based on other things. And, and understanding that there is a lot of grace that goes into that. Uh, I, I can remember my boys, you know, younger when I would sit down with them and say, hey, look, I'm, you're, you're fixing to be in trouble, but, you know, let me show you what grace is. And, hey, I'm not going to punish you this time. And that worked pretty well until they figured it out. And then they're like, but, Dad, don't I get any grace? <laughs> I can hear them over and over. And they're, and they're, Dad, but do we get grace? No grace tonight. Go to bed. Yeah. So, We're all out of grace today. The jar is empty. Yeah, the grace is gone. And so, you know, just trying to help them to understand the consequences and those kind of things. And so um, I do think some of, you know, being that this is um, not our first marriage and, and, and understanding that there are definitely things that we do differently. I think one of the things that I learned... Um, going into our marriage was, you know, the Bible says that as a husband that I should love my spouse as Christ loves the church. That, that's a big responsibility. And I think that in our marriage today, I understand that a whole lot more than I did in my, in my previous marriage. And so I really do take on that responsibility and realize that, that I have a role to play um, in, in our relationship. So Cynthia, as you know, we've shared your blended family. You guys have, have raised kids on your own. But when we think about Single parenting and grace. Can you, can you speak to that? Like, how did that happen in, in, in your home when it was just you and your kids? Um, it was a lot of prayer, a lot of trust, and a lot of letting go. Uh, and, and rinse and repeat. Um, each day created new issues, and you just had to go to the Lord and ask. ask. Um, you have to be rooted in the Word and seek Him. And... Um, try to figure out what the next move is to be able to speak into their life because it's you have to be transparent in front of them because you don't have somebody else to bounce ideas off of. It's mm. just you and the Lord. And if you, He's given us the Word, um, that's that's our cheat sheet. That's our manual. Sure. That's what we should go to. Um, so, you know, just trusting that you're being led yeah. by the Lord and listening to the Holy Spirit and just trusting that when you ask, he will answer and just letting it go. And that's huge for me is to let it go because I, I, I will, I, I can pray good. I can trust real well, but letting it go, that's, that's a struggle for me because I want to take it back. Yeah. You know, he's not doing it as fast as I want. So I want to give it, well, I'll do this one. You could do those five. I'll do this one. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's really hard to let go and trust that the Lord's got you and the kids. So knowing that, that that's, that's really the model of what we want to do, but what about the days when we don't do that, when we're like, you know what, I got this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with this kid because I'm angry and, and we've blown it. So Kelly, speak to that for us. What, what about in the times when you've blown it with your kid? How do you go back and say, I blew it, I'm sorry? Like, well, first of all, you can just say you're sorry. I mean, it's really not that difficult, but... Um, but I think me knowing who I am, and I'll just be very honest, I like to be right. Um, I'm a perfectionist in the sense that I'm not going to jump in to do something if I haven't researched it, thought through it out, made a plan, checked the plan, make sure it's not going to mess up, and then I'm going to execute it. So that means in my mind, see, when I've thought something, the reason I'm telling you this is because I thought about it all day yesterday, and now what I'm telling you is right. Because, you know, I'm always right. 
not. Right? But I mean, but that's how my... Somebody over here is always right, too. I know. Who's my always right person? Come on. No, it's the wife. Kidding. It wasn't the husband. Just oh, to be clear. I, I saw it. Gotcha. It's not the husband. I like I know, that. Right? Awesome. Um, but so that, that's something that I've really, really, really had to work on, and the Lord's really had to work on me because when I think that, when I'm comparing myself to other people and thinking that I've made pretty good decisions, oh, I don't do that. Oh, but I do that. You know, when I'm comparing myself to other people, I can make myself feel and look pretty good. Who am I supposed to compare to? The Lord, right? I'm supposed to compare my myself to Jesus, and if I don't do that, then I don't see my mess-ups. And so where that then came into play in parenting, um, everything was rule-based. You must do. I say this is why, because, there was always a because, because I thought it out, right? But so what that led the kids to think is that everything is rule-based, and that if I screw up, I've screwed up big, and I'm sure somewhere in there it led into not so much of a feeling of unconditional love, even though I have unconditional love for my kids. The way I was acting was not showing them unconditional love. And look, as an eight-year-old, they probably didn't know that's what they were feeling. Um, but so when you can grow in your relationship with Christ and you can really get to that place where you know that you are screwing up, you've got to live in that grace place. And then you've got to share that with your kids because they're going to mess up. I'm going to mess up. I can say I'm sorry, and then you can point them to Jesus. Hey, look, yesterday when we talked, and I, like, threw up ugly words all over you, um, what you did needed some correction, but I did not correct it the right way. So I've prayed about it. I've asked God for forgiveness. I'm asking you. And then we can go into that um, place of grace. Um, You know, I mean, just Friday. Nicholas is in the marching band at the high school. They had an away game. He has got a ton of equipment he takes with him to school in the morning. He got in the car Friday morning with a backpack and a lunchbox. We get to the high school, and he opens the trunk, and he goes, Oh, my gosh, Mom, my whole uniform's at the house. Can you bring it back? Me, 10 years ago, I'd have let him have it because he forgot his stuff, right? But instead, now I'm like, Yep, yes, I'll bring it to you. I'll go right back. I'll bring it home. Tell me where to meet you. It's not a big deal, right? I go home. I text him. We meet. He's like, thank you, Mom, for bringing me my stuff. If I had blown it all over him and thrown up all over him for forgetting his uniform one time, how would that have, where does that show Jesus? It doesn't. So, you know, now if he forgets it three weeks in a row, we're going to have a problem. But, you know. One time, I mean, y'all, I went to work one time with my house shoes on because I forgot to change my shoes before I walked out the door. You know, it happens. We mess up. We all mess up. So say you're sorry. Understand that they're not perfect and they are kids. And sometimes their brain's not quite fully formed all the way and they act like crazy people. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we, you've heard the word grace mentioned from, from both couples up here. And I think that that is something that's really, really important. It's like the term would be grace-based parenting. Where we're not going, hey, you destroyed the house, grace. <laughs> um, you, you've done this, grace. I mean, it's it's really more about boundaries, right? Chris, share, share with us how that kind of looks like, too. Yeah, you know, my goal is to make my child ready to take over the world and uh, and do what they need to do. So it's very important, we thought, that we set boundaries. And then if they get outside those boundaries, I'm not going to be like, oh, it's okay, let's hug it out. You know, like, like we then have to say, you went outside the boundaries, here's the punishment, here's some discipline. Um, and one of the things we always uh, tried to, we finally realized when we had our third child was that they're all completely different. For, first, we had a girl, then we had a boy, we thought 
thought that was the difference. That turns out that's not the case. The boys are completely different. Um, so we had to figure out, you know, how do we give correction to our child, um, give that discipline that they need in order to bring them back within the boundaries and then teach them that life lesson. You know, and I always tried to, um, number one, not say that I'm the perfect person and you're doing something wrong because that's not true. That's absolutely not true. I'm, I'm broken. I'm, I'm a sinner. I need grace. You're broken. You're a sinner. You need grace, which then allows me later on to have a, a, a easier conversation with them about why they need a relationship with Christ just like I do. Right. So then I, the discipline part, you know, and the correcting them and keeping them within the boundaries. I also like to point toward life. And I always try to tell them that, hey, I'm trying to teach you to have good work ethic. I'm trying to teach you to be a good teammate. I'm trying to teach you, you know, that you're going to have responsibility. And if you don't do things, if you do things that I can't now trust you anymore because you've lied to me, then here's how I feel about you. And when you decide you're going to have a car, you know, I'm not going to want to let you go out and do the things you want to do. So, you know, not, not to make it huge or big or something that they have to achieve, but just kind of tell them that the reason why I'm teaching you these little things is because it's going to lead to other responsibilities and benefits and things like that. Um, but yeah, the bottom line is about, I mean, the grace-based, man, we, we try to just show that in everything we do. And I, I, I like to share that I'm going to bring Christ into whatever I can because Christ is in everything that I do. Okay. That's, that's my number one priority. It's my number one relationship. It's my number one thing. So I'm going to pray ceasingly, unceasingly about my kids. I'm going to go to the Bible and look for instruction there. And I'm going to look up, you know, Christian authors and I'm going to talk to my friends and I'm going to have fellowship with other people. And I can ask them, man, I had a hard day with my kids. What would you do in this situation? You know, and through all that, I'm living out hopefully my relationship with Christ that my kids can see, you know, and then when I do tell them they're doing something wrong and give them that grace, they know it's not coming not only for me, but I'm trying to show them what unconditional love looks like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause it's Christ based and grace based. That's good. So. That's good. So, uh, so Bill, let's move on to this question here um, for you guys. And I'll, I'll ask you guys the same question. So let's talk about intentional time with our kids like that. I think that's another one of the, the large questions that we had from you guys as well was like, how do I do this? How do I spend intentional time with my child, and then I realize I've got a teenager, I've got two teenagers down to an eight-year-old, and sometimes it becomes more difficult to lean into conversations with them. Um, and so let's talk about that. So, Bill, how, how is it for you guys? How do you spend intentional time with your kids? you got to take what you get, um, especially with our kids being the age that they are. Yeah. you got to take those windows of time. Um, like I shared in the first service, me and my daughter, we, we have coffee every morning. That's just what we do. I get to be able to touch base with her because when she gets home, she gets ready, she goes to work, and by the time, you know, so it's just one of those crazy kind of schedules. So um, like with my son, when I was a single mom, I still drove up to Birmingham. I cleaned houses for so many years, and um, so I would always ask my son to ride with me because he w- I knew he was about to transition out of high school and get ready for college and stuff like that. So I would have to intentionally make time, carve it out, create m- moments with him. Like, I'm, here, why don't you ride with me? Because he couldn't go anywhere. He's stuck in the car, so he had no choice but talk to me. There Put the go. cell phones down and, and let's, let's um, yeah. talk about life and, and, and let me know about you and who you are and what's going on and sure. what, what's your uh, outlook on life. Bill, what about you with your with your boys? So, um, so the flip side of us actually making intentional time for our kids, where we do that, is to actually seek out that time when when they're coming to us. Because I think a lot of times our kids will come to us to talk to us. We talk about Garrett. He he kind of hovers, like he'll come in the room, and he'll just kind of stand there, and he won't say anything. And then we kind of know Garrett has something to say, and so we're kind of like, hey, so what's up? And so and, and you know. What we find is that we've got to take advantage of that because so many times 
uh, they reach that age where they're not coming to us and they're not talking to us and, and they're listening to other people and they're listening to their peers. And, 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 and so when they come to us, we've got to seize that. And so we look for that. We look for that moment where they're in the room and we know that they want to talk to us. So they're pulling us to the side or, you know, one of our kids made the comment to one of our other kids, not to us, um, hey, I, I want to know mom and dad's opinion. But she didn't ask us. She didn't come and say, hey, what do y'all think? And what I need is for her to come say, what do y'all think? And she didn't do that because she, it's like she just assumed that we would know that she was looking for our input at that moment. Anybody else have those moments with your kids where they're thinking stuff and they expect you to be able to think it? And, um, and so I think that that's the other challenge is we've got to look for that. We've got to kind of grab hold of when is that moment when they're open to when I can say something to them, not just creating that, but then giving them that, that inroad to come talk to us. German family, what about you guys? How, how's it intentional for you guys? Yeah, so we set up our family in such a way that we, we, we have family time, all right? So things, decisions that we made, we don't do the bus. Kelly takes the kids to school, and then she picks them up at the end of the day. Luckily, she's able to be a stay-at-home mom, you know, so we have that luxury. But those 15 minutes on both ends of the day for the kids is hugely important. Uh, we figured out that you don't ask yes or no questions to your kids because they'll give you a yes or no answer. So ask open-ended questions. So not, you know, did you have a good day at school? Yes, that's not it. Tell me about your day at school. Tell me something good that happened. Tell me something bad that happened. Um, We really value our kitchen table a lot. So we meet in the morning at 6.15, and we have breakfast every morning. Um, We do a Bible study with the kids that Kelly is able to leave for the kids, and and she can talk more about that. But then at the end of the day, we we have dinner together. And and I've chosen, made some career choices so that I'm home every day at 6 o'clock. Because we want to have dinner together. Um, Nicholas had an assignment for school. It was really cool. He had to do a, a family shield. And it had four sections. And he could pick whatever he wanted to put on the family shield. And one of the sections, he put a kitchen table. So, whoo, that was awesome. So he values that. And our kids value that time. Um, the other thing we did is we, we made a decision. We're not going to have any electronics in our room, uh, the kids' rooms. We're not going to allow them to take their phones into their rooms. And, you know, they're, they're going to be in the common areas with us. And we're, we're not going to allow them to close the door and be by themselves. Sorry. Um, when we went and we, we do travel ball soccer and I'm in our family, we've done a lot of other activities. Hannah's done dancing and piano and all that. Um, you know, and we try to limit the, those things. But, man, you're going to be busy. And when we were busy, we made our other family members participate. So if Hannah had an event, the boys were there. If Jacob had an event, Hannah and Nicholas were there. You know, they went there kicking and screaming most of the time, but we did it together as a family. That was hugely important for us. Okay. Great. So hey, we talked about... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, just okay. want, no, I, apologize. I just wanted to add real quick. They were talking about the, the eating meals together. And, and I just want to, again, encourage that. I think that that is critical in, in family life that we make time and are intentional about coming around the table. We don't have the TV on. We don't have... Uh, our phone's there. It is just that opportunity for us to sit around. And I think that as families, even young, as you got, if, if, if we will do that, it really will change the dynamic of how they view family. If the only time we eat together a meal is when we go out to eat, then we're teaching them that concept. And so what we want to do is to come to our home, have that opportunity to sit around the table, cut out everything else. And, and, and if that means you just sit there and you don't talk, I, I have this thing where I think we, we don't give our kids long enough to talk. Like, you know, a lot of times we, we don't like silence. And so I don't, silence does not bother me. And so when I'm talking to a kid, I'll be talking to them. And if they don't say anything, I'll just wait them out. <laughs> yeah, like that. Some, see, she's already nervous. She's like, what? It's quiet in here. And, and I think sometimes we got we to gotta wait our kids out. We got to wait for them to answer us because, you know, a lot of times, and, and this is something me and Cynthia talk about, is, uh, is I feel like she likes to write the narrative for them. Like they don't answer, so then she answers for them. 
And I'm like, hey, let him answer. I want to hear what he has to say because he, he's going to let her write the narrative. He wants her to answer the questions because whether it's his answer or not, at that moment, it becomes his answer because he's like, oh, yeah, mom, that sounds great. And I'm like, I want to know what you have to say. And so I think we've got to that comes back to that intentional aspect. But I yeah. think dinner time is one of those opportunities um, you know, well, we'll talk about even the things of God or what we talked about at church or maybe if there's some issue coming up or, or our week or our next day or stuff like that. It's just an incredible opportunity. And so it's just a critical, critical time, I think, for families that a lot of us have gotten away from because it's so much easier not to do that. It's one of the schools in, uh, in, in one of the Carolinas, I'm, I'm really, because you're saying this now, is that uh, they had a study that came out. They did an independent study and said that families that had at least two meals sitting around a table together Per week, their children were 60% plus more likely to be successful in life. I mean, whatever that life looks like, more successful. But you're increasing their chances by sitting around the table twice a week. Yeah, we don't we don't do it every day. It's yeah. not every night. It can't. Now they may. I don't know, but we we can't possibly do that. And our kids are not always home because they are older. But when they're there, we want to sit at that dinner table together. Right. And so I think that's right. If you got one twice a week, you're doing that. I think it makes a difference. But it's that word of intentional. That, that we have to input into that. And so let's press into that a little bit more, this word of intentionality. What, how do you bring intentionality into the technology discussion? This is a huge question that parents and people have had is like, when, when is it appropriate time? And again, this goes back, this is that word intentional. Like you've got to have a plan for technology for your kids, phones, computers, uh, media, I mean, stuff. Disney Plus has ruined and made my life amazing this past week. Um, but it, it did. It's out. And so it's what everybody's talking about. And if you're not, get it. It's great. Um, but it's out there. And so what, what's a, intentionally, when we think about technology, what's appropriate? Let's talk about cell phones. Germans, what is it in your, in your home about screen time and cell phones and that kind of stuff? Go. Um, we do have three kids. And so, you know, when Hannah and Jacob were um, like in fifth, sixth grade, iPhones were not quite out yet, so they had different kinds of cell phones, and um, we let them get them in sixth grade. That was kind of the rule. Then iPhones came, and then iPhones got everybody in trouble in my house, and so then when the 14-year-old comes up, he's like, hey, I'm in sixth grade. Am I getting a phone? And I'm like, (laughs) no. And he goes, well, that's not fair. And I went, you know what we say, life's not fair. Um, So he is in ninth grade, and he has literally just gotten a phone in the last, like, four months. Um, So in our house, there's just a lot that I don't want the kids to have to deal with and experience before they're ready, right? And so a lot of the things that kids see on phones, a lot of the feelings that they get on phones when they're dealing with social media, it's just, it's overwhelming. And I, I just don't, I don't want them to have to deal with it right now. Now, when they're 16, 17, 18, and we're getting ready to launch them, then yeah, it's time to start introducing that stuff and teaching them how to use it. But so um, we don't really have cell phones at the table. Okay, so occasionally there's a funny YouTube something, and we'll go get a phone, and we'll watch it together while we're at the table. Um, There's a cool app on the phone for, like, conversation, family conversation questions, so you can pull that up and let that be your conversation piece at the table. But as far as him being over here on his phone texting his friends while we're having dinner, that ain't working. We're not going to do that. So there's an area in our house in the hallway upstairs where all phones go, and they're charged at night. Um, He has a regular old alarm clock in his bedroom, not his phone. Um, and we've just got his phone shut down a lot so that he doesn't have access to everything all the time. Um, I think they need to sleep. And I think, I think that every kid, if their phone's going to be that by their bed, I don't think they're all sleeping. And I think, um, I just think all those things are important. So we do have a lot of boundaries on those things in our house. Um, 
and we did, we had a lot of struggles with the older two, um, with things that they saw, um, and conversations that they were having on their phones. Um, Nicholas doesn't have social media yet. Mm-hmm. Um, he can text his friends, um, and that's kind of it. So that has just come from learning, you know, and and being in process. I mean, we tell poor Hannah all the time, "Sorry, guinea pig. Yeah. We didn't know what in the heck we were doing when we had you." So you know, you just kind of learn as you go, but. Um, I feel it's my job to protect their, you know, what's in our, what's in our heart comes out our mouth, protect your heart and all that. So, um, I just want to protect because a lot of those things that you see don't go out, you know, you can see it and hear it and it's going to get in and it it doesn't come back out. So that's where we sit with that. Yeah, absolutely. Bill, you had some things for your family, for where you guys are. Share share about that. Yeah. So I think it's important. Um, and, and, and I say this to people all the time, you know, we, we may have a set of rules that work for us. Um, just like they have rules that work for them. The reality is you've you got to figure out what works for you. A lot of times we, we set guidelines or rules for our kids that we're not really ready to you know, live up to. It's like, okay, if you bring a bad report card home, you're not going on vacation. We're not really going to not take them on vacation. Well, some of you, I don't know. But, you know, we, we don't, we're not really going to do that. And so sometimes we set these rules because we think we're going to get the response from them that we want. And then as they get older, they give us the response that they want. And so it becomes a little bit more complicated. And so my challenge is you've got to figure out what works with you when you're setting that. But it's important. And, and it's much more bigger package to discuss because we're not just talking about technology. We're talking about teaching them some concepts that the Word of God you know, instills in them. And so when I talk to my boys, I don't just talk to them about, hey, are you watching the same thing? Are you, are, you, are you being appropriate with your phone? Are you sending things that you should? But I'm saying, hey, are you honoring God with your phone? Are you honoring God with what you watch? You know, my biggest fear when they were growing up is that they were going to be watching a movie with me, and, and I apologize for this up front, and, and they were going to get boobs on TV, and, and they were going to see boobs for the first time while watching something with me. Again, as a guy, you know, because I used to show those movies, they do that little quick little three second thing. And then I thought that's when my boys were going to be exposed to naked was something I watched with them. And so I was very cautious because I didn't I didn't want to do that. And so I was overly protective over what we watched. And uh, and then as they got older and then they go, oh, yeah, dad, we watched that movie. And I went, I watched that movie and was embarrassed. I don't know why you're watching that movie. Stop it. And uh, and so, you know, you can't control those things. I tell people all the time, especially when they get 17 and older, you can't control a 17 year old. You can't, but you can prepare them. And that preparation takes place long before they turn 17. It, it takes place when they're 2 and when they're 10. And, and so what I'm instilling in them is, you know, does this honor God? Is, it, is this an honoring to God? Is this something that, you know, that he would approve of? And, and again, it's like I say, in your relationship, if you honor God in your relationships, then he'll honor your relationship. If you honor God in your job, then he will honor your job. If you honor God in your home, he will honor your home. He can't honor things that we don't honor him in finances or whatever and so i think that you know when we talk about technology that's what i'm stealing in them is hey what you're doing on your phone does that honor god because if it doesn't then that's a bigger issue yeah and, the, and it kind of goes into we all, we all want to be able to tie the principles with biblical uh, authority so galatians 5 verse 13 reads this way for you've been called to live in freedom my brothers and sisters but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature instead use your freedom to serve one another in love, and it's about it's it's, it's it's appropriateness. It's redirecting. It's taking that what you know that God meant for good, but Satan's going to use it for evil, and helping our kids connect into it. Pastor Mike shared last week: if you're stealing, stop. Use your energy for good, hard work. And so, redirecting those things that you don't have to have a cell phone to entertain you all the time, despite what your teenagers will tell you. 
You do not have to have that entertainment in front of them all the time. They can and they will because, again, we've got a family that says no to those things and their kids actually live and breathe and walk. (laughs) They're not zombies. That actually happens. And it can be there. And so it is possible. So maybe if you're a parent, you, you may have checked out a little bit. And, again, it's never too late until it's too late. If they're breathing, if they're functioning, they can handle it. Again, they're resilient. They may not enjoy the punishment. No one does, but they can, they can learn, okay? And that's where we want them to be. Let's move on to this last thing that I want us all to talk about because this, this is a huge question um, because I know this is something that's going to be on every person's mind. It has been on their mind or it will be on their mind. And they may be thinking, wow, I really didn't do this well. So if you're a grandparent in the room, please don't tune us out. I want you to hear because you do have kids or you've had children. And, again, it's never too late until it's too late. Let's talk about the piece of sharing faith with your children. Sharing, having a gospel conversation, introducing your kids to God, letting them know who Jesus is, what Jesus did for them, what he's done for everyone. And again, I believe that this is a conversation that should be happening at home. It may not be happening at home, but the way God designed the home, again, remember, he created us for community to be together. This is where he wants these conversations to begin. And so if they're not there, it's okay. You can learn to have those. But it's like Kelly said, you've got to be in the word. So share with us, why is it important to, to have that conversation? Yeah, I mean, obviously that should be our number one goal is that our kids are Christ followers and they take that with them when they leave. Um, and the way that I like to think about it is I want to make sure that my kid doesn't think that I'm a perfect parent and I'm teaching down to them because they're not perfect. Like I, I always try to let my kids know that I'm broken, I make mistakes, I'm a sinner, I'm doing the best that I can. I'm going to the Bible to look for instructions on how to be a good parent. I made a mistake yesterday. I need to go ask God for forgiveness because of, you know, I'm not perfect. Because I think it's important that if, if your kids see you as perfect and you never make mistakes and you're always talking down to them, and oh, by the way, I'm a Christian and I love Jesus, they're going to think that they have to achieve some pinnacle, right? They're going to have to be perfect and have no sin and have a you know, perfect life before they can then have a relationship. And that is not true. That's not what the gospel says. The gospel says that if you teach someone and if you are broken... You can come to Christ, and, and, and he will help heal you. He will give you that grace, that forgiveness, and then that relationship can happen. And the old is gone, and the new has come. And then all the things that Mike talked about last week about Christian living can then start taking place. That, to me, is the conversation you have with your kid. I'm not going to put it on the calendar and go, when my child turns 12, I'm going to have that. We're going to sit down, and we're going we're gonna, to you know, light some candles and have that conversation. Like, it, it is not a one-time, 10-minute conversation. It's a lifelong conversation, yes. and you have to model that relationship that you have with the Lord and Savior and, and show, I am void. In my life, I'm void if I don't have Jesus. And then if you can teach them that and show them that, then, then the rest of the conversation is easier. Well, and then just to go back on the um, in time with your kids, if you don't talk to your children, you can't have these conversations. I read somewhere the other day that the average household spends, I don't know, like five minutes a week in good conversation with their kids. And that's not saying, you forgot your shoes, go get your shoes. That's not the kind of talks we're talking about. And so if you're, if you don't make time for those conversations and like, Bill and Cynthia said when their kid comes and hovers, your kids are all going to be different. And so we've got one that will start rattling off stuff the moment he gets in the car. And we're like, here it comes, right? Get ready. It's been quiet all day and here he comes. And then we've got another one that's quiet for an hour and a half because he's decompressing from school. And then at supper time, he starts sharing all kinds of crazy stuff. But if I had asked him when he got in the door, he doesn't start talking yet. You know, so you kind of learn what they do. But I will also say... If you want Jesus to ooze from your pores, you have to know Jesus. Mm -hmm. 
And just one time saying, Jesus, live in my heart, the Holy Spirit is there. But if you don't cultivate that relationship and you don't know what God's Word says and you are not in a Bible study and you are not spending time with the Lord, it will not ooze out of your pores and your kids aren't going to see it. Right? And so I, looking back on our parenting and our life, I wish to goodness that when I was 22, 23, 24, 25, I was in a big-time Bible study where I was really reading God's Word and really understanding that everything in the Bible talks to God, talks about God. It's a book about God. It's not a book about how's it going to help me today. There is that in there, but you've got to read it with the perspective of what does this Scripture tell me about the Lord? Hmm. Even the ones where they're going through all the lineage stuff. Guess what? God put it there for a reason. So why did he put it there? What does that tell me about God? And if you can get in that Bible study and start learning that way, it's going to ooze out of your pores. But my kids didn't get that when they were younger because I wasn't mature enough there to give it. Does that make sense? So get in a Bible study. If you want your kids to love the Lord, you have to love him too, but you've got to spend time with them. Yeah. Um, and then those conversations will come because they're going to have questions for you. And then there's going to be moments where you get to speak to things. But again, you've got to be present. Yeah. Bill, speak to that real quick. For yeah, me. So, um, so I think one of the things that's been important for my life, for my boys, and, 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 and for our children is that I just don't want to just say, hey, Dad says that, or this is what, um, you know, um, this is what Bill says. But what does the Bible say? And, and so I, I, I quote a lot of scripture to them, um, you know. <laughs> Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Just wait until my kid said something I'm supposed to say at home. And I went, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. They can all quote that back to me. Our 21-year-old who's lived with us since April can quote that scripture to me. And, uh, and then there's others that, that they can quote back to me um, because I constantly do that. Because it's not really important what Bill says. It's not really important what Dad says. What's important is what does the Bible say. And so I constantly bring them back to that. And, you know, you don't have to be able to quote scripture uh, like I do or, or like Pastor Mike does. You, Google is a great thing. You know, if you're dealing with your kid with something, let's Google scripture on whatever. And it'll pull up a whole bunch of scriptures for you. And then you can sit down and say, hey, look, you know, the Bible says. And so how can we apply that into your life? How can we uh, do that? And, and then the other thing I would challenge you with is that it, it, it does take a village. We, we say that, and I don't know that we always understand what that means, but you guys are not here to parent on your own. You guys have uh, pastors and life group leaders and a church body that is here to help you and partner with you on that. And so if you don't know how to have that conversation, we have a, a journey kids group that does know how to do that. We have a journey student ministry that understands how to do that. We have a young adult community out of this church that knows how to do that to be able to say, hey, look, how do I work with my young adult? How do I do this? Well, let me connect with those other people. And if you don't know how to sit down and, and, and say that sinner's prayer with them, or if you're not sure how to have a conversation with them about whether or not they're ready for baptism, there are people in this village, in this community that you guys are all a part of that can do that for you. And so it doesn't always have to rest on us as parents. Um, my mom and dad, you know, very unique and, and, you know, very different than my life. They lived together, uh, been married for over 50-something years. Um, you know, they are those quirky, quirky grandparents that dress alike still. And, uh, and I kind of laugh at them about that, but they have always been my rock. They've always been that person I could go to and I can call my mom and say, hey, mom, what's going on, blah, blah, blah. And she'll go, hey, you know, and, and there are spiritual grandparents in this church that can do that same thing for you if you don't have that. And so that's kind of where my challenge is for you yeah, guys. Absolutely. I mean, honestly, this is something we could continue talking about. Like, I think it's great. We are in this together. If you feel like you're alone, you're not. You need to reach out to someone beside you. These, these guys on the stage are amazing. Our, our staff, 
elders, our leadership, we want to partner with you. I mean, that's, that's what a church body is. It's not about where we are, but it's who we are. And when we lean into that, we will continue to fulfill what Christ has brought here. So you guys give it up for these families for sharing with us this morning. Thank you guys so much. The, the last part of what we share is so, is so vital. Because again, it's never too late until it is too late. So whether your child is very, very young, you can begin that conversation with them now. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Is typically a song that we would sing to our children. Most of us know a very famous verse in Scripture, John 3.16. We know it because we either watch sports or we've heard Tim Tebow quote it or we've seen it written somewhere. But it's always out there. But it's something as, as fundamental as biblical truth. And this is how it reads in the New Living. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I love the King James. That's what I learned when I was a child. For God so loved the world. And we talk about this thing of love. We love everything. We love shoes. We love a, a soundtrack or a, or a certain artist. We love a car. But God said, no, 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 I'm kicking it up. And I'm going to display something that you can't even understand. And that word so changes everything in that verse. And it truly shares with us how much he loved each and every one of you and me, is that he would give his one, his only son. Let him leave the throne of heaven to come to this earth, to be born like every other human would be born, to live perfectly on this earth, and to eventually pay the price for sin, pay the price of death, which is eternal separation from God. The punishment that we all deserve, Jesus took upon himself. And so his display on the cross, his display of pouring out all the blood and and then dying, being lifeless, void of movement, void of brain activity, void of body fluids that his body needs, he laid in a tomb. But on the third day, when God said, it's time, he rose, conquering sin and death, Expressing his great love for us and saying, for all who believe, to whosoever are those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So the question, grandparent, mom, dad, son, daughter, adult, where does your eternity lay? If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, again, the Bible says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then at that point, you can have those conversations with your kids, whether they're younger or they're older or they're yet to come. It's never too late until it's too late. Don't discount the Holy Spirit. I love to hear a story of somebody in their 70s saying, I prayed to receive Jesus today. I've been saved. My life is forever changed. It's not just about children, but oh, it is about children. And it's about adults. It's about every person when they come and they realize, I need Jesus He's the only one that can do this. So if you're having those questions this morning, there's a room in the back, VIP room, right back over here. You can go there. There are adults that will talk with you, will share with you, will pray with you. Just to say, I don't know what this is. But I want to know who this guy Jesus is. I want to know why God loved me so much to send his son to this earth. We want to have those conversations with you. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you. God, we thank you this morning for giving us today 
Lord, thank you for allowing us to to be on stage to have questions, God, to, to get answers to questions. Lord, there's so many. There's so many more things we could have probably covered. I'm thankful for a beginning. God, I'm thankful for a body of people who feel comfortable enough to ask questions, to seek wisdom. God, I pray for parents in this room right now that are still struggling in some way. God, would they, Lord, would you build a boldness in them just to come and share and talk? Would you build a boldness in them to join a life group, to be in community with others? God, the way you created us to be, you didn't want us to be alone. God, would you help us all realize we are not perfect, that we mess up. We're so thankful for your love and your grace which you display daily. To all who believe, thank you. Father, I pray now that you would Again, spur on your spirit today to reach into those that do not know Jesus as their Savior. Would you build a boldness in them to have a conversation today with someone? We love you, Jesus. Thank you for paying that ultimate price. Thank you for loving us. And thank you for giving us the privilege to be in communion with you. We pray this in your name alone. Amen.